and welcome to the Sheffield Hopcast. This is uh, episode number seven, and we are recording this episode in the offices of Tramlines, just obviously a couple of weeks now to go until Tramlines. Now, it's a slightly different kind of start to the podcast for us. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, in the last couple of days, the, the news has broke regarding the um, co-founder and director of Tramline, Sarah Nulty, um, who passed away earlier this week uh, at the age of just 36. Um, Alex, who is one of the organisers of Tramlines, is with us tonight. Um, obviously, I imagine for you guys, it's been a really, really hard week, but, but, but taking the the, the, the positives from the amazing work that, that Sarah did and what a great legacy she, she leaves behind. Yeah, um, it was a real honour to work with her for so long, um, to work with her on at least eight festivals, maybe nine. Um, she was amazing. You know, people, often after people pass away, everybody says, oh, they were so good. Like, she really was, you know. In this case, it's definitely true. Um, she was really, she worked incredibly hard. She had no, no job was too small. You know, I can... Uh, I remember on the field on Sunday, no litter collectors had turned up. So I phoned her, it's about half seven, what are you doing? I'm collecting rubbish. I'm like, what? <laughs> you actually need to sleep yet? She's up, up at the field collecting rubbish. And she could also make really important decisions all the time. She pushed things through. You know, you need people. It's a difficult industry. It's very hard to run a huge festival. There's loads of hurdles. There's lots of knitting together of different interested parties. And she sailed through all of that and it was brilliant. So... I'm looking forward to uh, toasting her today with a beer. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's only a couple of weeks until the festival. I, I suppose for, for you guys, the, the biggest kind of tribute that, that, that you can do is, is to press on and make sure yeah. it's as big a success as you can. Absolutely, yeah. That's been what's keeping us going, really. We know 100% the last thing she would want us to do is sit around moping. Uh, we've got to deliver the festival and we've got to do it in her honour. You know, she would want it to be like that. So that's what we'll be doing. Okay, thank you, Alex. We're going to chat a little bit later on more about Tramlines itself, and you are joining us for the whole podcast, drinking the beer and, and throwing your opinions in um, in this evening. Um, obviously, it was a kind of a different way to start the uh, the podcast. It, it felt right to, to kind of reflect on um, to reflect on that, and obviously there is that slightly more kind of sombre feel to um, to the hotcast this month. Um, but we we do have the rest of the team with us. Adam is here. Adam, Hello. beer of the month. Yeah, um, I. I've had a few good beers. Uh, I'm going to pick one that's slightly left field, and it's um, part of the Estonian takeover, which was at the uh, Rutland. And um, I, I think it's Puhast, Puhast Brewery. It's spelled P-U-H-A-S-T-E. Adam looks at um, everyone else for yeah, help. I look, you, non- I, look, I look at you, I look at you because I was thinking you might have heard of them. I think it's uh, Estonian Al- accent. Alicast. Alicast. It's um, six six uh, percent IPA. Really kind of. Really drinkable, brilliant for this kind of weather we've been having for the last few weeks. Um, there was also some, there was also like a session IPA, but I think this just pipped it. So, so it's, a it's, good, it's great to see that it was so memorable that you've had to read all of that. <laughs> Adam, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to work out what we're, we're three minutes in, and Sean is <laughs> digging into Adam already. I promise not. Every episode, Sean ribs me for my beer choice because I look at him sometimes thinking, just give me a little bit, just give me some. <laughs> Fair enough. Sean, what's uh, what's your beer of the month? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be boring again. This is Adam's chance to get me back because I'm going back to Scarborough again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was in Scarborough a couple of weeks ago, went in the North Riding Brew Pub, my beloved North Riding Brew Pub, and uh, North Riding Brewery Mosaic 
Pale was on 4.3%. It was a special edition used in the BBC Boston Beer Company prepared hops, and it was just unbelievable. On cask, had a pint, had another pint, and I can still. I can still remember it without reading from my phone. So, <laughs> magnificent. Sean, you always get really envious photos from the top of that um, cliff. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is It is a lovely... It seems like you drop on a very, very good weekends when you go up there, and I think you always post a nice beer photo. I said, <laughs> it could be anywhere in the world, and it's literally done the Yorkshire coast. It is very brilliant. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, hour and a half from here. Really? It's free as well, everyone can go. Oh, to your caravan? No, not just the view. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, Laura, this this is quite a, a a big moment because you've already forewarned us that it's not just your beer of the month; that you know it might be your favourite beer ever. Yeah, oh, and this is interesting. So yeah, sorry, I might go on a bit here. Uh, so at the beginning of June, have you, a, have you written a speech? A little bit of one. <laughs> it was that good. Um, I went up to Fine Fest uh, at Fine Ales in Scotland. Uh, which, just a quick side note, absolutely brilliant festival. Just camping, beer, brilliant food, really nice atmosphere. Um, and on the Sunday, uh, which was the final day of the festival, we were all just sat outside our tents. We were all drinking Bloody Marys, actually, because it had been uh, one of those weekends quite a lot of it. And this very nice man who was camping nearby just walked over and went, Kamaradsky? And we were like, pardon? What? And he went... Oh, it's a beer, like, have you not tried it? And we were like, no, and he gave us this bottle. It's called Kamaradsky from um, Verzette Brewery in Belgium. Uh, it's a 12.5% hybrid between a Russian Imperial Stout and a Oud Brune. But it's balsamic vinegar barrel-aged. And when he gave it to <laughs> us, we were all like, that's going to be weird. And it's absolutely amazing. It's so well-balanced and vinegary in the best possible way. And um, so anyway, really, really enjoyed it there. Kind of Bloody Marys and Kamaradsky and some oysters got my day off to a nice start in the, in Scotland. Uh, but then last weekend, I went to Carnival Britannomyces in Amsterdam. And we were in this bar called Fooders uh, that's in the south of the city. Really great bar. They've got these big bowls of monkey nuts on the table. And when you've eaten them, you just throw the shells on the floor. So it's really like rough and ready sort of bar with 40 keg lines. And wow. uh, I was eating this mountain of cheese, as you do when you're in Amsterdam, and somebody said, oh, have you had the vinegar beer? And I was like, what? <laughs> and it was on tap. Oh, and I was like, oh my life. God. And uh, so I had Kamaradsky on tap with cheese and this sauce that they like in Amsterdam called Appelschlup. <laughs> that's like, if you imagine Marmite made out of apples, it's that kind of consistency, <laughs> sure but it's sweet. And cheese and Appelschlup and Kamaradsky, and I cried. It was that good. You practising the pronunciation. I didn't understand half of them, but there were some good words. Yeah. Well, did you honestly so, throw monkey nut shells on the floor? Yeah. I bet you kept yours nice and tight. Oh, no, I was yeah. revelling it. I was like, for a long time, I can enjoy making a mess. So, uh, yeah, um, I drank a lot of good beer this month, actually, because uh, Carnival Pratanomyces was brilliant. Um, also hard. Uh, Goes from Oak and Dagger Brewery in North Carolina called Crying Over My Mojito. It was like a limey, minty goes. It was absolutely delicious. Sounds so that's good. my honourable mention. And that's the end of my I was going to say that you are guaranteed traveller of the month. <laughs> you are. But really? actually, we might well, have a dark horse here on the travelling front. I've had a good, a good beer month. Um, it's actually, it's been a slightly bigger gap since we last recorded, which was my fault because I was going on holiday, so we had to do the... Um, 
the World Cup edition a little bit early. Um, so I was at the summer beer thing in Manchester at the weekend, which was very good, some great beers there. But it kind of feels like I've got to pick a beer from when I was in New York because I got round maybe half of the breweries in New York. I was intending to do them all. It's just impossible. It can't be done. There's just so many, and they're so good. Um, so um, I'm going to pick out a beer that I think I had on the second day that I was there, uh, and kind of you know it hit a, a height that nothing else quite matched. Uh, and it's a beer called Talk Wrench by Industrial Arts. Uh, it was a kind of New England style IPA, as as the vast majority of beers that I had in in New York were. Um, and it was lovely, and I think I had some more very lovely beers while I was there. I just can't remember them. You, know, you like are terrible at remembering I am things. really, really bad. I need to start taking photographs of menus or boards or cans and stuff so I can actually remind Maybe myself what like I've got. Possibly, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd want to watch cam. it back. Wear a dash cam just put on like kind of a 12-hour... You end up like Low me then, where like all your pictures on your phone are literally yeah. beer and cats. Yeah, well, I, I'm <laughs> going. Yeah, it's taking me back to a picture of when I was in New York, and I've got on on computer at home, and I had an industrial art. So I'm, I'm going to check when I get home to see whether it was the same beer. I think this back is like a, a souped-up version of. Um, I think the original beer is called Tort Wrench. This might be called Nine Tort Wrench right. uh, to represent it's a higher ABV. I think it was a nine percent. I'm assuming oh, it was a nine. Uh, yeah, it was one of beer. the first beers of the night of the night that we went, so I wouldn't have started on that. It, the weird thing I don't know if you found this when you were there in um, in America is that you know kind of a session beer there is like six and a half percent. That's that's the normal strength yeah. for. And a, if you're not beer. specific about the glass size, that is always the biggest mm. yeah. that can throw yeah. at you. Which I got caught uh, out with a couple of times. Yeah, I found myself ordering the bigger sizes because the pride <laughs> the pricing isn't fair. Yeah. So if you have one that's yeah. half the price, you pay like yeah, two yeah. thirds of the yeah. uh, half the size, two thirds of the cost. Yeah. So you just lean towards thinking, well, I'm not getting ripped off, so I'll just I'll have a pint and of that 12% beer. Half the <laughs> hence, I can't remember <laughs> half my time. I tip them every time as well. <laughs> I was going to say, did you tip? A dollar a drink, I, did, I think. I yeah. did tip, yeah, yeah, I did tip. Good, good. Um, and I tip, the bars that I liked, I tipped healthily because my god you get served so much faster next time you go up (laughs) you really do you really do Um, right then so episode 7 normally we have a theme to the beers Uh, this time it's a little bit different because the theme comes from what we're doing with the beers so we are making this our uh, kind of bar snack um, episode where we have several you know, tons of, uh, <laughs> of various different bar snacks around the table and it is quite a, a picture actually in fact we should probably take a photograph before we, we dig into them all um, we've got various different kind of nuts scratchings corn beans all kinds of things uh, because it's quite quite a big business now isn't it bar snacks you, you get you know a lot of kind of more market from from where things used to be and it was just a packet of dry roasted this that and the other um, so um, we thought we would kind of delve into the world of some of the snacks you can get um, and how they uh, match with the beers that you're supposed to drink them with so we've picked beers on the basis of what matches with the um, with the snacks so um, Adam you've kind of been in charge of sorting snacks with a bit of help from uh, from Laura as well Uh, Um, so how how is this going to work so we've got four different beers as usual which um, are kind of being dictated, like James said, from what beer snacks we've been given. So the initial beer we are looking at Smofo, which are a, a local company. I think Laura, you've dealt with Smofo before. You've even done a beer with them, haven't you? Yeah, through uh, Aberdale Brewery, we did a uh, smoked scratching stout with them earlier in the year, which was using the same seasoning that they put on their 
hickory smoke scratchings. Um, it didn't have any uh, actual pig in there, so it was actually a completely vegan pork scratching themed beer. Uh, which it took me two weeks amazing. to realise that before yeah. I could actually decide to drink it. Um, but yeah, their, their stuff's really good. Um, so yeah, we've got a little variety of yeah. little snacks. So, so what, thank you very much to Simon for uh, providing us with, with Thank him. you. So what, what I was thinking, I've been dealing with Sean and I've been looking at my Mark Dredge book, which I've got a beer and food pairing thing. So initially I thought of looking at the, the hickory smoked pot scratchings from Smurfo, but obviously James is a vegetarian. So I think... His option, we're going to go for this, the buffalo beans, I think. Buffalo beans look good. So I was thinking, you've got your pork. What goes with pork? Apple. Do you really get apple beers? No. So I was thinking of something maybe saisonny or something like quite light to go with that. So um, I left so, Sean yes. with that task. So the, uh, the instruction was uh, saison for number one. And so uh, the beer that we've gone for is a saison with a, 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 a summery leaning to it. Uh, it's brewed by Numbers from Bermondsey in London. It's one of their new canned series. Uh, number of beer is 0103, and that's 01 being their saison, and number three being their uh, recipe type. And it is cucumber and juniper. It's 5% cucumber and juniper. Uh, juniper are uh, um, incredibly summery feel to it. It's a hot, steaming night in Sheffield <laughs> tonight. And so I think the refreshment we'll get from this will be uh, much appreciated. Looking forward. I've heard okay. quite a few people that have tried this say yeah. it's really good, yeah. but I've not, I've not had it yet. I've so. yet to go Same for here. anything in those new cans. So right. I've, I've had two pails, mm. which were outstanding. Uh, the first two pails were brilliant. Are you going to tear into these? Or are you, uh, have, you, have you got some have you got we, implement? We should also perhaps at some point, not necessarily now, but oh, yeah. credit the fact that this is the first uh, of our our podcast where we've actually brought our own glass yeah, uh, to yeah. drink from. Normally, glass is provided by the venue, yeah. so we've we've brought something to represent our uh, ourselves. Adam, however, has brought um, <laughs> a, a flower vase instead. <laughs> Mine is actually from the supermarket in Spain, and it's from the Alhambra Brewery. So the Alhambra being you know, the kind of place in Granada, the where the Moors kind of. I think it's, is that the far as they got there's a big the Alhambra is a big kind of Moorish castle on the hill and um, I kind of saw a six pack of their Spain do well you knew Spain you're kind of struggling in the south of Spain for kind of craft beers and I always try and get something a bit different if I can and they I was tend to do like kind of higher ABV version of a supermarket beer and I think this was like a 6% beer but it came as like six bottles with, with a fancy glass I thought it's quite, it looks very different to any other glass you kind of get. It's, it's like it's ridiculous, Adam. It's, it's absolutely uh, ridiculous. It's got a stem, but it's got a very spouty. Cerveza Alhambra. Yeah. It's got it's got the Moorish patterns. patterns. Yeah. yeah. See, Adam was looking at me for assistance there, but you should have stepped in for assistance yeah. on that one, Alex. Are you a, are you a Moorish pattern fan? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind a bit of Moorish patterning. It's Very quite good. appropriate, you know, beer by numbers, maths. Yeah. There's a connection there. Yeah. Uh, Laura's in charge of uh, snack distribution. Uh, I think it's just grab and go. They are. These are absolutely huge bags that we've got. I've got so, um, it's smoked buffalo beans and uh, is it pork scratchings as well? Yeah. Hickory smoked beans. Yeah. 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 What's your go-to like general snack from it? Like, yeah, if you're at, uh, like, chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't um, do anything sweet. Normally, yeah, uh, peanuts I like, mm. uh, but uh, which is which oh, is boring. Wow. But I like chocolate cake with imperial stouts. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's generally when I, that's the only time I generally match food with a, a drink. I, I, right. I often don't. The beans are good. They're quite light on the taste, but they're really like, you can kind of breathe them in almost, can't you? It's yeah. Quite, they're the beans, you shouldn't do that with the pot scratching, you might die. The pot <laughs> Don't inhale a pot scratching. <laughs> I'm not inhaling those either. I'm, I'm going to have to defer to you guys for a review on the pork scratchings. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me a minute. Um, the beans have got a sort of smokiness, which I suppose is rather obvious. A little bit of seasoning and spiciness. What sort of beans are they? Do we know that? Broad beans. Broad beans. They're quite small, though, aren't they? They're, like, yeah. they're manageable for a broad bean. They're like little mini cheddar biscuit. Sort of consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, right, thoughts on the beer? It's very like, light smelling. Mm. It's, it's, it's super, super subtle in its flavourings, isn't it? Super summery mm. as well, isn't it? Really lovely. I yeah, it's, um, it's very it's, gentle. Mm. Mm. I'd have th- I wouldn't have thought it was quite as strong as 5%. No. No. And it cuts through the smokiness as well. It really does, does very well. I think that works. Yeah. yeah. Tick that box. Yeah. I don't normally like um, saisons, and this is pretty good. Mm. Mm. My friends keep saying you just haven't had the right one yet. So this is it. There's some... a saison out there for everyone. It's <laughs> <laughs> not really funky, is it? It's very. It's more like sort of on the aroma yeah. than the taste. It's not quite as yeasty as a, as a standalone saison. I think the be. cucumber kind of chops yeah. it on it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm not. I'm not a big general saison fan, especially Mm -hmm. when they've got that quite heavy sort of cloying yeastiness. But yeah, the cucumber in this just makes it really nice. You can't really smell the cucumber. You get it when you taste it. Yeah. What? What? But what does a cucumber smell of? There's a question. Just fresh, I think. Because it's just kind of water, isn't it, cucumber? I'm a big Mm. fan of a a cut cucumber, a freshly cut cucumber. That's a really good smell to me. A smell. There's no smell to cucumber. Smells are just like you know things like like. What the sea smells like. Yeah. So like that ozone, not ozone, but like kind of very, it's hard to distinguish, but it's just like a freshness. Well, it's funny, but when I first tasted that, my first thought was a swimming pool. <laughs> chlorine. <laughs> yeah. Just like chlorine. Not, tastes yeah. like a swimming pool. I, no, it just, it just took me to a swimming pool. We all pool. lost it a little bit in the heat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really insanity creeping in here. I felt like a near a pool for some reason. Very odd. This is exactly the kind of thing I want to be drinking in this yeah. heat wave, mm. though. It's really good. Mm. I really like it. This might be this maybe. What, is this, what's your usual go-to beer then, Alex? Is that interesting? Well, I don't. So I have to shout out my beer blog. I'm on a WhatsApp a WhatsApp beer group. Oh, cool. And I'm like probably the least committed member of it. <laughs> so it's a big honour for me to be with you guys today. Um, and they're always on about the hype beers, and occasionally I try the hype beers. And so. Uh, I think I'm more of a, you know, like a heathen. That's just day-to-day stuff. Yeah. That'd be good. And sometimes I might have like one or two big beers a week. Uh, I tried the, uh, to remember which one it was, the Neo Human Cannonball. Yeah. Which was strong. Was it nine? Nine point two. Yeah. Nine point two. So normally I don't have anything like that, but I really, really like that. So I just find them too boozy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really, really good. Um, but yeah, day-to-day. Just, you know, heathen is a good example. Something like that. Just like session beer. Yeah, yeah, because I can't, I can't, I, I, need, I can't have a whole 9% beer in an evening. I'll just be done. I have to work in the evenings, I've got stuff to do, so just something I can keep working on. But this is, this is why I never remember things, because I would just have a 9% beer <laughs> in, the, uh, in the evenings. Last night watching England will uh, testify. <laughs> Laura, did he, you, can, you can say, you can deny or just, did, did Heathen used to be what Mosaic was? Yeah, it's still the same beer. Um, so it's just 
brand just we've gone away from the mosaic hop yeah here. it's still single hop with mosaic at the moment uh, the idea behind that was freeing up the beer a little bit um, because to keep a beer consistent you don't necessarily want to keep the recipe exactly the same um, and it was a way of future proofing it really uh, you know if the mosaic hop in a few years you know short, it might be a lot less fragrant or yeah. something like that uh, we're quite lucky at Abidel with supply we've got really good relationships with uh, the hop farmers so fingers crossed supply should be alright but the actual hop itself changes with the seasons and the harvest mm. so you know it might be that we need to give something add something in a few yeah. years to boost it but it is at the moment a single hopped mosaic beer I can remember when that was out and being like me and my few friends in that circle like one of our favourite beers I remember it's quite like a not like a striking, but very colourful like bump clip. I remember thinking you spotted it, like, yes, got to get a pint of that. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It's quite widely available as well now, which is mm. great. Yeah. I think Moonshine was the first ale I had. So I used to go to the Lesker, that was my local, and on a Monday it used to be pound a pint. And wow. yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I used to originally it would be Carlsberg Xbox because my friend drank that and I thought that was a bit fancy <laughs> and uh, and then it was like moonshine and I was like oh you had the moonshine had the moonshine and that was it and that was the first one it's quite a good introduction because well, it's not super, it is a good super mm. strong so a pound of pint on a Monday night Alex meant that you you well, started we drinking school. at what time? well we were in school three we pound to, night out we used to get I remember we used to we used to go to school on Tuesday morning and I don't know how we did it you know you'd just you'd have drunk yeah, probably three or four pints would be plenty for me and then get home and go somewhere else and then get home at two, three in the morning you'd be, you'd be there at school at eight in the school? morning. So six, four. Yeah. <laughs> six four. Yeah, six four. There's that very short little window yeah, yeah. where you're 18. And did you fail the A-level that you did no. on a Tuesday morning? No, <laughs> I got an A. Did you? Did you help? down to bullshit. Yeah. The, um, the, the less car is my local now and right. I, I can report that they don't do pound of pint on one. No, 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 they don't. At all, no. Well, it was in the old days of Duncan. It was like it's still people talking very revered tones about the old landlord yeah. Duncan. Was it? It was, it was a very different pub. It was a very different pub. Though. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there wasn't. It wasn't a wash with real ale, but they have moonshine. Can we do a beer snack one every week? Every month. Yeah, this sounds good. <laughs> I was thinking I should bring some cheese in my apple. Sh- I brought some apple. apple sh- oh, she's back. Off again. I brought some back. It was that good. In a little, uh, like, I don't like kind of go backwards, jar. but you say it like marmite, but but apple flavoured, like yeah. Do you mean it looked like marmite? Or yeah, and it's the same kind of consistency and like, intensity of flavour. Okay. Yeah. These small buffalo I'll beans are, are excellent. Yeah, yeah, very good. I'm preferring those to drink with this beer than the. Uh, well, we're all thinking that's a good first match. I think nice, yes. like nice light kind of yeah. light beer well. with a nice kind of. I think you've got away with that one. Yes, excellent. Um, well, we've got just you as well. You pick the beer. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. We ha- we have a bonus beer as well um, tonight. So as well as the four ones that match to the uh, the beer snacks, uh, we get the great privilege of being one of the uh, the first people to try this year's Tramlines beer, which brings us on to the subject of Tramlines. Um, so back to Alex. Um, First things first, do you want to tell us a bit about the beer? And, and you might want Laura's input a little bit on this, because I know, Laura, you kind of helped work on this beer a little bit. I think Laura should lead on what's in the beer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so uh, it's a session IPA, uh, single hopped with Galaxy. 
Uh, we wanted something which was really nice and light, easily sessionable. So it's 3.8% uh, ABV, so perfect one to drink throughout the day in the sunshine, um, but with uh, quite a distinct hit from the Galaxy Hop. So it's, you know, really, really full of flavour. Great smell. Um, it's a vegan friendly beer as well, which I know was important to the team. Mm. Uh, to make sure it was uh, just as accessible as possible, really. Um, so it's available in cask, keg and can. Um, the cask has been making its way out for a week or so now, so that's available all around the country, really. It's gone to Newcastle, Leeds, Manchester, um, all over the place. The can's were only done on Friday, so they are yeah, currently less than a week old. Uh, so should be tasting pretty fresh. fresh. It smells really, really good. Um, and I'm yeah, they, they're heading out as we speak, so um, should be available in uh, all good independent Sheffield retailers and beyond, if not already, then very, very soon. And, and to be a central. Be central uh, yeah. Eventually, yeah. We'll, uh, I think as, as you listen to this, <laughs> it will probably be uh, probably on the shelves of... Uh, they're arriving tomorrow, so we'll go on the shelves That's, tomorrow, uh, certainly. That's quite a. That's quite a. Mo is that probably the most modern tasting tramlines beer I've had? Probably. Mm. I mean, I don't want to dive back, but I just literally remembered something from a few years ago, which was at the Riverside, and there was four black. There was four beers up for the for the tramlines beer, and yeah. it was beer number one, beer number two, beer number yeah, four, yeah. and it was just like a blind tasting all night, and you just had to tell decide which, tell one, which one you wanted. Yeah. And it wasn't like an invite thing. It was just mm. if you want to come down, and remember. That it's always well, it's always been a, lo a local brewery, hasn't it? But yeah. probably at the time would have been possibly you guys, possibly the Sheffield Brewery Company, definitely Bradfield, yeah, po possibly one other one. But um, they've always been obviously because it's a festival for all kind of drinkers. Yeah, it has to be kind of a, a yeah. beer that everyone likes. But that is super quite. It's quite modern. That it's, it's a good beer. Um, yeah, it smells very beautiful. Very nice. And, it very nice. and at the festival, that'll be available in what format? So is it available on keg, on cask, yeah, it's on can? keg on the uh, craft beer bar at Tramlines. Um, I think it'll be on cask at some of the fringe venues and in can. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's going to be taking over the city. Hopefully. Laura's doing my job. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she actually knows about it. So Alex, it is, I mean, barely two weeks now until, um, oh, until, until travel lines. Um, how are, how are, are all the plans, how is everything coming along? Generally it's okay, yeah. Um, we, yeah, I mean, because the, most of the people who do it have worked together so long, we kind of know what we're doing. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite, in a way, it's a bit of a relief at this point because I spend all, for me personally, doing the PR, spend all the time trying to get publicity, trying to get media coverage. And now, um, there might be a few things in place still, but my focus shifts to actually the weekend itself and what's going to happen then. Um, and I quite like that because it's kind of... In terms of ongoing promotion, or do you switch roles slightly and become more hands-on in the festival? Well, during the festival, we have... Um, so we'll invite the media to become accredited. There might be a few people here who end up being accredited. Uh, and then if they would like to speak to artists, maybe interview them, they'll submit all of that and we'll collate it all. Mm -hmm. And so we can then present to the artist's management and say, OK, we've got uh, three publications who would like to speak to your artist. Is this possible? And we start and we timetable it all in. This is with my colleague Nicola Freitas. Um, it does a PR as well, and uh, there might be other kind of slightly more complicated things. Maybe somebody wants to broadcast part of a set, 
or to speak to an organiser or do something a bit different and uh, a big part for me is the BBC Look North coverage so we'll always have like a live uh, for the evening news we'll have a live uh, broadcast from the festival and I want that to be as good as possible so we'll try and bring artists in and we're looking at the moment about I think John McClure will be involved hopefully Stereophonics uh, they're also doing a feature about um, it, people with disabilities and their experience of festivals so I think they're going to be going around with uh, some visually impaired people as well so just creating all of that interesting content In terms of lineup, it's it's pretty impressive Yeah, You've got, you've got Noel Gallagher um, Stereophonics. That's right. Craig David. Yeah. Um, Clean Bandit. Yeah. It's, it's a Dallas great, Dallas it's a yeah. great, great yeah. lineup. Just yeah. Talk, talk us through um, some of the other people you've, that you've got. Uh, well, this you mentioned Della Sol. I'm really looking forward to them. Um, they stepped in for us when Rutan Clan cancelled two days before the festival. A few yeah, years I remember ago. that. Yeah. That was great. Really happy day. In the you, might them, you might give them a can to thank them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rutan Clan. Yeah. 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 They're so professional, it's such a good performance, really looking forward to that. Also an artist called Steph London. There's a lot of indie, um, but it's not all indie. Um, she is, I think she's actually from uh, Holland and London as well. She had a big hit last year. When I was travelling in America, I heard it on the radio constantly. Uh, Todd Lattie's been supporting it as well, so it's good to have her there. There's a band called Universal Tree, who are from Sheffield. Um, Steve Edwards, it's his, his new project, he's, done, he's kind of a seasoned Sheffield vocalist and has done lots of different uh, musical projects and it's really soulful, it's like a yeah, sort of R&B soulful, he's, a, he's got a really big kind of soulful voice and um, it, there's not that many new Sheffield R&B soulful bands mm -hmm. so it's nice to have them involved as well. There's loads and loads of acts. Um, it's also been good with a bigger site at Hillsborough. We can do things that we, because it's the 10th anniversary, we wanted it to be the biggest one ever and sort of the best. And there's lots of things we've wanted to do, but maybe haven't had the space or the resource to do. So there's um, the Into the Trees area where there's some family events and there's some cinema stuff going on there, some games. Uh, we've got four stages plus the cinema. Um, we're here at the Lead Mill right now. They've got a stage, which is a first for us. Um, and in the daytime, they're doing comedy which I think there's a comedy show happening underneath this right now. <laughs> it's not, I can't hear any laughter yet. I don't think, <laughs> it's, I don't think it started. Um, but it's not, we've got John Shuttleworth there, so yeah. as well as like local music represented, we've also got some local comedians as well. And uh, Henning Vane, I have to say that right. Yeah. Henning Vane. Yes, Vane. seen him on um, Catster's yeah. Countdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so obviously he's a keen football fan as well, so yeah. I'm sure he'll be milking that as a <laughs> German comedian who's into yeah. football. He's got lots of things to talk about there. Um, I remember, and um, I don't know if there's anyone else at the table that does, but I remember 10 years ago the first tram lines at, at Devonshire Green and you didn't need a ticket or anything like that. No one really knew what it was all about or whether it was going to work or not. That's right. Um, you know, 10 years on from, uh, from that, it is pretty astounding just how big tram lines has become now isn't it yeah it is it's been a real challenge to get to where we are um it was always in it was never the intention that the council would just fund it forever they were very generous at the beginning they recognized it was a good thing and it was that weird thing where suddenly lots of things align unexpectedly and that's maybe what it takes for something like this to happen uh the council were working on something called sheffield music city um which my dad was involved with that's kind of how i ended up being um involved as well there was other people looking at doing a big sponsored festival with a with a sponsor who were going to pay for the whole thing. 
and suddenly everybody kind of came together and realised they were basically working on the same project mm. so let's just do it all together and it was very rushed and kind of it, it would only have worked it only worked because everybody was on board the council um, all the all the venue people all the organisers were just ready to do whatever it took to make it happen um, and nobody thought we'd get here definitely uh, and it's really nice to kind of be rec- for Sheffield to have that recognition our music scene already has the recognition but to have a festival that's our own and is up there uh, with the biggest festivals in the UK you know initially I'd be phoning NME and they were like yeah okay they weren't very interested um, but now we're very much on the map and um, we're, it's easier to book artists the agents respect us more um, because we've got heritage and we always look after artists when they come so yeah it's not been it's not been easy to get here but it's definitely it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't supported by everybody in Sheffield yeah and um, I know a few people that have had a little bit of a whinge this year about the fact that it's it's moved out to Hillsborough yeah. it's not a city centre festival anymore and that you know maybe it's it's kind of lost a bit of its its soul because of uh, mm. that and I imagine you've probably had a few people that have kind of said similar things to, to, to you guys um, what, what's your kind of response to, to, to people to in Sheffield whinging about stuff <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, goodness uh, yeah well um, it's yeah people they people like the atmosphere in the city centre you know that festival atmosphere yeah. where it's all going on that's definitely still happening um, Tramlines has worked with the council and with Sheffield Bid uh, to, to make sure the fringe is really strong as well so there's still stages in the city centre there's still road closures uh, effectively the city centre will be the same as it always is it is a bit separate so you won't be able to go between quite so easily um, and it, it is impossible to please everybody particularly yeah. Sheffield um, but it was necessary to have that bigger site you know, we needed to have a bigger site to do what we needed to do it's that slightly chasing a tail a bit of everybody wants bigger acts and then bigger acts you need more capacity and it's impossible to have something on that scale right in the city centre but it is really important that it's a city-wide thing for me personally you know that there's things happening everywhere and we've definitely got that this year so uh, I think it's important to just keep it to, to for people to see that there is a connection you know if it wasn't for the thing happening in Hillsborough we wouldn't be able to do what's happening in the city centre yeah, yeah. and you can choose how you want to get involved um, and what you want to do. Yeah. It's not like it's hard to get in between, is it? Yeah. It's called tram lines after all. Well, it's exactly, like, yeah. It's actually the Ten best, minutes yeah. just right. It was literally yeah. a Hillsborough yeah. Park tram stop, yeah. so um, yeah. it's actually probably easier to get in between the, 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 the city centre and the stage than it probably was at, at Ponderosa. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because um, yeah. that was, you know, you, you'd have to walk up there, really. Yeah, yeah there's um, more options, there's buses, yeah. there's trams, yeah. Fair enough. It flashed up on my um, newsfeed the other day that it was 95% of tickets sold. That's right. Um, so I'm, I'm gauging from that, ticket sales have gone pretty well. Um, yeah. But still some available if anyone hasn't got a ticket yet and yeah. wants to come along. That's how do they right. go about doing that? Um, just do it via the website, best way, www.tramlines.org.uk. Uh, and you can buy your tickets on there. There are still some weekend tickets left, but I don't expect them to last for very long. Yep. So, uh, yeah, definitely go and do that right now. <laughs> Fabulous. So who is going to Tramlines Round the Table? I will be there. Uh, I'm afraid not. No, I, I have never... I, 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 as a As a non-Sheffield... Am I the only non-Sheffield that went on the table? Adam, you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I once went to watch Oasis at Nebworth, and that finished me off, really, uh, in terms of outdoor... Or, uh, um, gigs and so I don't go to many. No, I don't go to many. So we, unfortunately not. I'm, I'm away on holiday as it happens. But 
I've, I've, I've been, in some capacity I've been every year and tried to do what I can. I've got a two-year-old now and I think the first, my, well, it was birthday yesterday, three-year-old, she was birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. Remember the first year they were born, me and my colleague who had a baby, that we were planning on doing uh, pram lines. Mm. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, it didn't pan out as well as we wanted because <laughs> they weren't born on when they were sh- when they should have been and stuff. But, and uh, obviously you always think you're going to do this. Parenting's easy. No, it's not. Um, but I, I always try to get out in some capacity, um, whether it's the fringe stuff, whether it's um, to the main stage. But um, hopefully, yeah, could to get down. Oh, I'll probably be able to hear it from my house, ticket, to be fair. Weekend ticket, James. Where is it? Well, full, full weekend yeah. ticket. Well, hopefully, it's in, it's in Alex's hands, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut out. <laughs> Press accreditation. <laughs> They'll be you know, having to work on weekends. Oh, Absolutely, course. yeah. 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 Representing <laughs> the Sheffield Hopcast, you can guess what that work Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. Pram, pram lines. Make a note of that one. Pram lines, that's, yeah, that's I like that as well. I'll copyright that and then I'll sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for Alex, if that's all right. And yeah. if, I, if I was the normal cheeky me, because uh, you must be friend to the stars, Alex. So the normal cheeky me wants to know the biggest pain in the arse you've ever dealt with. I'm not going to ask you that. We have 4.3 million listeners. <laughs> it will be unfair to reveal such a thing. So I'm going to ask you the other question. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, is there a sta- an artist, standout artist? You mentioned Al Soul earlier. Mm. A standout artist over the years that you think has, has, has really gone out of their way to, to deliver for tramlines? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm Because I never really get to see the performances, I'm always backstage yeah. running around with bringing media and stuff so I, I judge them on how they are yeah. backstage yeah, yeah, rather than as communicators yeah, and people rather yeah. than performers um, Flavor Flav really stands out for, for those who don't know Flavor Flav is the MC with Public Enemy All right, yeah. Public Enemy are like a heritage yeah. that means they're a bit old yeah. <laughs> heritage hip hop act um, and very political and they're like the old school hip hop yeah. the kind of uh, connection with uh, civil rights movement and stuff like that in America Flavor Flav is a pretty outspoken guy, you know, massive clock medallions and stuff like that. Um, and he's the hype man, you know, his job is to be a bit over the top, yeah. a bit of a bez in some respects. And he really got very excited about Sheffield. He, what happened? Somebody had a t-shirt that he really liked and it was from Primark. And he, and he said, he's like, I love the t-shirt man in the audience. Like somebody gave him this t-shirt and so somebody ran off to Primark and bought him the t-shirt and presented it with him backstage and he was loving it and then there's some other Sheffield t-shirts that he got and he was loving all these garbs and getting them on and then uh, he got some lovely photos with Sarah some people might have seen with, he had Sarah and, and Flavor Flav with their arm around each other and also uh, the police the police of course you know the, the, the hip, uh, public enemy spent a lot of their lyrics about slating the police let's be honest <laughs> slating the police yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and they were police were loving it, getting the photos with him, and he was putting their hats on and stuff like that. And that was a really nice experience. Um, so I always remember that one. Uh, for for beer, there's a beer connection. A band called We Are Scientists, who are from LA, I think. And they, uh, we had a tramline sale. It was an Aberdale one. Um, this is about four years ago, I think. They played last year, but they played again before that. Uh, when the main stage was on Dev Green and they I just before they went on I'd done all their press with them and I said oh by the way guys you know we've got this Tramlines Ale and they tried it and they loved it because they were big Ale fans they really really liked it and they went up on stage and they gave it a big shout out and that that was like gave me some brownie points yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. and they hadn't they were interested in they oh, got something a bit stronger and there wasn't quite so much an offer back then and we were at uh, Devonshire Green so I nipped down to the Dev Cat 
and I got one of these um, like petrol can things full of Jaipur and they'd never tried that either and they loved it and they drank it all <laughs> and then we just sort of got on the session and my mum and dad were there and, and my dad had been working <laughs> and suddenly we were all there we're scientists my mum and dad a few other production people just all getting slaughtered yeah they were drinking <laughs> I think it was Sunday evening as well so it's just that the work was just starting to taper <laughs> yeah. off and it's just really nice you know it's nice the way they got involved and they're really enthusiastic about stuff so yeah, they did. They actually did a really good video, promotional video for us last year, which you could probably find online. It's very funny. Ah, right. Should we um, should we crack open um, beer tasting number two, um, Adam? Yeah. What are we eating with this? Which one's this one? Um, this is the sour. Sour beer. Come on, you were excellent. No, so I was checking which beer. So this, the next local company we've got is Barmies, which are uh, crafted with beer balm. Do we know anything about beer balm, Laura? Yes. Me. So essentially, it's a. Uh, <laughs> Sean, you. So the reason we're Every month, Sean brings a bottle opener. What, what, which what is, does that sound like? That. Yeah, how long did it take? It's the worst bottle opener. In the world, no offense, no offense it's well, absolutely Alex, look how beautiful that is. It is beautiful. It's a wild beer one, and it's like basically you open it with the horns. That's it. And it looks amazing, but it it's is so shit. impractical. No, I, I did that in about thirteen seconds. That's a record. Sorry, beer balm. Uh, beer balm is uh, essentially kind of like the cakes of yeast that go into the beer. Brilliant. So Same. basically what um, Barmies do, which is um, a company run by Sophie. The, the lovely Sophie, yeah. yeah, absolutely brilliant. Oh, I mean, so they essentially so make kind of a, like a dough, a bread, using this beer balm. Um, and then it's rolled with some extra ingredients um, and an inclusion of, oh, actually, Abbeydale beer, this one. Well, there's been a lot of Abbeydale on this I know, podcast, so I usually keep it under the radar. <laughs> not, not this month. Uh, and, okay. and, and, what, and what are we? So what, what are we drinking this with? The instruction on this one was to go uh, for something sour, which yeah, was so this. This one is an olive tapenade with moonshine pale ale, which is a and it's using a black iris beer bar. So you felt these were a touch on the sweeter they're, they're, side. They're the sweeter they? ones of the three. So I've tried them. Um, Sophie very kindly sent us a fresher batch. Because you ate all the original Well, we were planning on doing this until the World Cup, but it didn't spoil everything. Um, so, yeah. This so, Adam has suggested that the sweetness of these, uh, perhaps going with a sour, he went for a sweet yeah. and sour option on this one. So, this beer that we're drinking is from De Moland in, uh, in Holland. Um, it's called Summer of 18, a series of summer beers that they, they do, Summer of 17 and so on. Uh, the original... Uh, summer of Love gets a mention, it's the 51st Summer of Love. And a couple of things I, I, I've, I've learned from this. One, it's a, it's a, a tangerine sour. Um, I checked the ingredients on the front looking for the word tangerine, of course it, it wasn't there. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mineola is a type of tangerine and that's the, uh, the tangerine that's gone in there. So this is a, a 4.8% tangerine Berliner Weiss. That hopefully will go nicely with the uh, the sweeter offering from the uh, olive uh, uh, barmies. Is a miniola a craft tangerine? Wow. It must be a craft tangerine. Yeah. That'd be the next big thing, then, wouldn't it? The texture of these is amazing. Yeah, they're mm. so crunchy. Yeah, yeah, I've got some. Here. So, so somebody can't like. see this. What do you think they kind of look like? They're, they're, they're almost like I think they must be rolled out. I think kind of they're almost like a. Oh, it's like a. It's like a love heart. Like a love heart, yeah, squashed. Yeah. And they must be cut 
yeah. really thinly, so maybe like a, a little hard five and mil, yeah. and then sort of baked. So they're quite crunchy. Mm. I, I would have imagined they were more, they'd be more puff pastry to look at on yeah. the picture. So to be quite crunchy. I love um, the texture. I think I really like that. It's quite soft when you um, get into it. Food makers are starting to use um, sort of beer byproducts essentially because mm. uh, obviously there's these Ford Bakehouse across the road from the brewery are doing some experiments with uh, our brewer's yeast as well. Um, it's a totally different species of yeast to uh, baker's yeast so it can be quite tricky to work with mm. um, in food production but um, yeah I think these are great Ford Bakehouse doing some really exciting things with their breads. Um, I just think it's a really nice example of how how good the beer world is at working together really yeah. and creating yeah. more of a community around around beer you know it's not just the drink anymore it's so much more that goes alongside it which is one of the things i really love so what do you reckon have i done, have I done uh, yeah, nice yeah. yeah. I, I like the, 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 the two compliment the beer because when it first tasted the beer i wasn't really getting the tangerine yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. a couple of the snacks yeah. the tangerine comes through and yeah, it comes it through quite sharply particularly on like the aftertaste mm. it's 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 there so they're quite it's rich really pleasant in terms of the olive yeah, yeah, I suppose like olives, you tend to think that you're going to get the brine element yeah. to it because, well, you don't really often, well, they still have that kind of, almost that bitterness, but they are quite sweet, aren't they? Mm. Mm. They're really nice. Mm. Really, really nice. It reminds me almost like a, a mince pie. A mince mm. pie? Yeah, 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 I suppose I can get that. Mm. Well, you put me off now, I hate mince pies. <laughs> it's kind of crunchy mince pies that you eat, you know, actually. No, the <laughs> flavor, yeah, yeah, the flavour. I don't know what you mean, like the, where the... Where the filling kind of feels mm. a bit yeah. jammy, doesn't it? That's like the kind of flavour, yeah. Yeah, got sort of a uh, mm. also dark, the dark fruit mm. sort of element to it. Yeah. No, you've got it, I'm eating one. Yeah. Mm. I agree with James as well that I think when I first tried this beer, I wasn't that impressed, to be honest. I think I absolutely love De Mullen's stouts, but I've not been overwhelmed by many the of their stuff pails, particularly, yeah, yeah. But actually, with these balmies, I think it does really give the beer a bit of a lift. Rescues it, it a little bit, mm. doesn't it? Drinking that beer on its own would feel a little bit sort of washed away. Mm. Some beer, Alex, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's quite light. It's not... Um, it, I think it goes well with it. It's not the kind of beer I would drink normally. It's no. not miles away from the first beer in terms no, of it's, no, beer, yeah, it's no. quite light. Bill and Device, yeah, designed to be light, designed yeah. to be... Uh, I wouldn't very say so sour either. No, it's, no not. it's not. It's not sour at all, I don't think. No. But if you imagine a couple of hours back, if we've been sat outside in the sunshine, yeah. it would taste incredibly trans. refreshing. Yeah. Mm. It does say on the front, fruited Berliner Weiss ish. Ish, yeah. Ish. So they're giving they're themselves like a touch of. No, they, they've given themselves a, a little bit of leeway. What do you think about these as a brand? It's full on into um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an almost a kernel element to it, a simplistic element simplistic, to it. Simplistic, but I always feel it's a bit hard to focus on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I could do with my glasses, perhaps. But really I'll put that down to my eyes rather than not, not fun of the font. Bad mm. font choice, lots of words, black and white. I brought some home from uh, Beer Koenig in Amsterdam, which is a nice little beer shop, but they had an entire kind of wall of De Molen beers. And it was kind of a, it was really hard to differentiate one beer yeah. from another, but uh, they were all three euros, even like twelve percent mm. imperial steps. So are they the ones you lean towards? <laughs> I, I take issue with stuff like that because the um, the summer beer thing in Manchester at the weekend was it was one uh, beer token per beer. Um, so if it was like a three point five percent session beer or a twelve percent. 
um, you know, really imperial stout or something, it would be one beer token. So you naturally think, well, I'm going to get value for money, and you end up drinking like the 8, 9, 10, 11% <coughs> beers just if because you can. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Value tonight, yeah, in New York and, and the summer beer thing, there's been a value element. It swings and roundabouts, well, I think, with that. I think, like, it kind of evens itself out. Because you have to be grown up an adult, Adam, you about you do, it. Don't yeah. you start on something easy. Well, yeah, just you can, you know, you take a light one. What, what's this one? adult you speak of? <laughs> oh, we're looking at Adam. I'm trying to think of one that's been the same, where you could get, like, a really high-strength one, but, like, same. That one that we went to, and I can't remember, which was it the Sieber one? Um, oh, that obviously doesn't happen one. anymore, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that was similar, wasn't it? It was hmm? same same price, yes, that's one, it. one that's beer token one, yeah. for each. Yeah, that's exact. That's it for each beer. So you do you sometimes make choices for the wrong reasons when it's yeah. like that. But this brewery done a collaboration with someone local at some point recently. That rings a bell. No, that they're very not they're very very highly respected and and work with lots of different breweries. Mm. Uh, I would imagine oh, probably yeah, local magic rock maybe. Um, I feel like we've all talked a lot, um, so it's probably about time that we heard from someone else. Um, Adam, you've been to meet some people that are doing something a bit unusual. Yeah. So today I've been to meet Dan from uh, Heist Craft, and he's been telling me about a, a charity collaboration brew they've been doing. I'm Dan Hunt from Heist Craft in Clown. Hi Dan, so, um, so what, tell us a little bit about Heist Craft and um, what, how you're involved in that and what sort of things you've been up to. Yeah, we're, uh, well, we started off as a bar and bottle shop in Clown, so sort of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we've been going since April of last year. Since then, we've sort of spent the last 12 to 13 months doing collaborations around the country with people like Lost Industry, Northern Monk, uh, Neon Raptor, got one Black Iris next week. So we built our way into sort of the brewing industry. Even though we've been homebrewing before, this is our first foray into professional brewing. Um, we have now got a brewery on site, which isn't quite operational yet. We're just waiting for a control panel to be built, and then we're good to go. So in the meantime we've sort of been gypsy brewing um elsewhere and using other people's spare capacity where it's wherever we can get some that's really cool um i have actually tried one of your beers i think it was the new england uh, new england ipa on doncaster station i found it and that was really good yeah um so one of the things we've been seeing a bit on twitter and there's some collaboration that's been happening um i wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about what's been going off yeah, well, um, Heist went put themselves down for uh, Bangers and Cash, which is a um, it's a charity rally from Sheffield to Monte Carlo, supporting Roundabout Charity, who uh, support uh, 16 to 24-year-olds who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. So we put our name down for that, and in, in sort of the ideas for fundraising, as well as putting on certain events around uh, Sheffield and the surrounding areas, we thought, well, why not brew a beer for it? Plus, I also said to Toby Foster on BBC Radio Sheffield, we're going to do it, and he sort of held me to it. So um, we got a few Sheffield breweries together, um, so people wanted to get on board with the idea, and we put this idea over a course of a couple of weeks with this idea that we're going to launch it over Tramlines weekend, where there's a lot of focus around the event as well. Uh, so, yeah, we're, um, well, we've done the brew now. We did it on Friday. We're just hoping uh, it'll all be ready in time for Tramlines. So who has actually been involved in the, in the brewing process? Uh, so, of course, there's us, uh, the Sentinel, uh, Lost Industry, Sheffield Brewing Company, and the Brew Foundation as well. So we brewed the beer at Sentinel. Um, they're the biggest kit. Um, Alex was really, really good, and he had some spare space at the time. So, yeah, we did the brew down, down at Sentinel with Alex and his team. 
So what sort of beer are we expecting? Is it a secret or is it all kind of... It's not secret, no. Um, the, the plan with the beer, just to put a bit of background on it as well, is that we've got a lot of buyers lined up in Sheffield, so we didn't want to go in anything too crazy. Uh, so we've gone for a 4.5% uh, sort of session New England IPA. A lot of really, really nice American hops going in there. Uh, really, really soft base. Uh, but we want to take a loading cans over with us um, on the rally as well. So we wanted something to be a bit more accessible to everybody uh, rather than doing like an Imperial Stout or something like that. Obviously, the beer is going to be for the non-drivers and for the evenings, but we wanted to keep it keep it fairly um, fairly sessionable for everybody. So I know you uh, you mentioned earlier to me that you're involved with some like local artists. Is uh, that person going to be involved in any of the can artwork? Yeah, I'm actually going to meet him straight after this. So we've got Trick09. Um, he's probably most famous for his uh, David Bowie uh, on Division Street. Uh, so we've got him and we've got two other guys as well who are involved in the can design. So I'm going to go and speak to him about that in just a moment, uh, just to sort of final that down. But Trick09 is our artist for the Bangers and Cash Rally as well. So he's doing our car artwork. Dan, thanks for your time. No problem, thank you. So we are on to beer number three, uh, which is from a brewery that are celebrating a bit of an anniversary, I believe. Yeah, so. 25 years, Roosters Brewery up at Nairsborough, not far from Harrogate, and um, regularly are giving lots of respect for, for being out there uh, as, as an almost original craft brewer. Uh, in terms of the more modern day scene, um, good users of American hops from a very early day, and so uh, their 25th uh, anniversary this year has been celebrated by them doing collaboration brews with people like Magic Rock and Thornbridge, uh, a couple of American breweries as well. So uh, um, important and influential people in the industry, um, giving a, a nice nod to their their 25 years that they've celebrated this year. Fabulous. Uh, and what kind of beer is it? Uh, it's called Howl. It's a special edition of Howl. Howl is a um, um, a 7.2%, they call it an imperial stout, 7.2% is sort of on the borderline with that, but imperial stout, conditioned on rum and whiskey uh, barrel oaks, got vanilla pods in there as well, cacao nibs, raspberries, tails of harrogate, rose laminade, herbal tea infusion there oh. as well. This one is the uh, Turkish Delight edition. Yeah. So lots, lots and lots going on. <coughs> what, what are we um, munching so, with? So obviously I've, I've kind of been backward engineered really. It has, so, hasn't it? So this is... Uh, so We've got another um, uh, flavour of the Barmies, which is a smoky chipotle, uh, which is quite spicy. Um, so I looked in my book and it was looking at what, what spicy, spicy kind of stacks were going. And I think <clears throat> I'm someone who I don't, I don't I think some people go for like a lagery kind of thing, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of like good Indian and lager. I think it kind of sometimes taints the flavour. But the other, the other flavour which the Mark Dredge book um, I looked at, Suggesting is something like dark and maybe quite like sweet, so yep. to contrast it. So we've got this one, but we also do have some more of the smoke, um, which is another chili sort of um, snap to the chili mustard smoked roast corn. So I thought maybe if we've got the extra bag, we could kind of mix it up with two kind of spicy chili ones and go, yeah, you know, something spicy chili mixed with a sweeter, sweeter stout. Ooh. Oh, got a beer it's not a bad one because a lot, a <laughs> lot of big snacks carry chilies in there. Mm. What our breweries will put. 
for uh, chili stout. So I can't believe much of these. It's though. not a bad idea again. Really. I'm a bit worried about this beer if I'm honest. I'm, uh, it sounds like it had a lot of a lot going on. I must yeah. confess, I have had I have had this from you, Sean. Yeah, beer central. I'm, I'm not a fan of circus wine either. I don't, I don't like the smell of that. The rose is coming through quite strongly. It, it, is. it smells like washing up liquid. I didn't find it very Turkish delightful when I tasted it. These these um corn these, oh, um, these corn things are brilliant. They're really spicy, aren't they? Much more spicy. I don't I can have too many before you work. Shit, I've poured too many. <laughs> <laughs> We've taken it off each other. This you. this is to try and paint the picture, this is a scene of carnage now because mm. everyone's got one hand full of one <laughs> bar snack, another hand full of another bar snack, and no one can actually drink their beers. Oh, the spiciness is like it really comes late, doesn't it? Mm. I like the snack. I'm not sold on the beer. It's quite thin. Uh, for a I'm not sure that those <clears throat> flavours particularly complement each other. It's a, it's a bit messy. Yeah. I'm not sure the chilli heat from the corn snack particularly. I think it goes better with the uh, balmy snack than yeah. it does with the extremer heat of the small-thought corn snack. I'm living charmless. <laughs> <laughs> you need some sweetness, don't you, to go with I think it. it's not as yeah. sweet as it maybe suggests. Yeah. Um, it does have a slight like floral kind of yeah. note on the on the when you first put it in your mouth. Um, like I say we were just looking for something that was like a stouty, maybe sweet, and I thought well, that does tick boxes, but maybe maybe something more milky might I'd kind of work with it. I like that beer uh, on cask particularly. Mm. Or, uh, and, and try it that way. I'm not sure a can is suiting that. It feels quite thin, and even on the pot. These are extremely kicky on the the chili. I'm not yeah. convinced there are many drinks that could <laughs> quite match no, up. Perhaps really a really poppy pill. Yeah, maybe really. maybe um, the um, Madhata satsiki. Yeah, possibly. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, all that cucumber that we had right at the start might have just calmed these down. Might be a bit left. Yeah, no. <laughs> They're not really complementing each other very well. I think I'm not a fan of the beer, but that's because I don't like Turkish delight, and I'm not a big rose fan. And it is probably the predominant flavour in there. But the chipotle balmies and the chili corn from Smofo are both floating my boat quite yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. The chili corn's brilliant. Mm. So just just to kind of as we're not as we're not kind of happy with the beer selection, maybe. Um, the barmies. Why don't you just drive a dagger through his heart? I don't know. Like that. I'm not saying we, we don't think it matches. I'm going to suggest maybe if someone pick these. I up. don't take anything Adam says very seriously. <laughs> so, uh, so the the smoked chipotle is actually got um, beer balm from Black Iris Brewery. Yeah. And it is it has harvest uh, harvest pale ale from uh, Castle Rock. So maybe if you go for something maybe quite a sessionable yeah, pale. I think that would have been but a better as, match. But as we've had something maybe in that. It was, room, a, it was a good point going to take for, for the, the opposite, sweet yeah. stout. Even if we've had something sweet like uh, Omnipolo Nora or something like that, I don't think they'd have gone, they'd have gone well with well, the, they, they the snacks. They suggest you pair it with a chocolate brownie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. How do they get the flavour in it? Mm. In the beer, they just drop some oh, no. Turkish natural flavourings. Yeah, sometimes they use the actual thing. Natural flavourings so, generally will be. Um, yeah. It sounds like this is a the rose lemonade herbal tea affair. fusion probably. It just doesn't sit right with everything. Alex, else. we once did a collaboration beer with Lost Industry at uh, just the other side of Hillsborough, and uh, it was an Imperial Brown or uh, and uh, or parallel parking, and we put a cake of parking. 
<laughs> into the beer. Right. Simple as that. Yeah. Cake of parking, uh, full of ginger and lovely goodness yeah, went, yeah. went in there. Yeah. <laughs> I love this chilli corn, but I'm it's dying a bit to ginger. It would sound Possibly, yeah. I quite like the maybe beer. You have to, maybe you have to match it. There you go, now we've got a winner on the beer. I can I get what you're saying about it not matching with the snacks, but I quite like the beer. Mm. I, I like I like Turkish delight, and lots of people don't, and I often feel a bit persecuted. So maybe yeah. I feel like I'm, I need to support this beer. <laughs> maybe there's some beers that just don't need a snack, and maybe that's one that. You and some snacks could. that don't need a beer. Exactly. Yeah. I think the um, the corn is a lot hotter. It's it's not. It's a nice snack to eat, and I think you would probably yeah. would be better matched with yeah. the ale in hindsight. Is. Yeah, or, a, or a lager style, maybe yeah. something. Yeah, like. this next beer we're going to have might have gone. Before we uh, delve into the um, the final beer, it is Meet the Brewer time. Uh, we actually heard from Nick Law a few months ago um, about his decision to shut down Emmanuel's, um, who of course recently released their final brews before they um, shut up shop. Um, you, you may know that Nick is also a brewery manager at the Sheffield Brewery Company, so we caught up with him to find out a little more about that brewery. The Sheffield Brewery Company has been going since 2006. Uh, it was set up by three guys, um, Pete, who owns the beautiful building we're sat in now, which is an old Victorian polish works. So in this in this room, um, they used to make polishers and pack polishers. Um, and there was Tim, who was a lecturer at the university, who um, sort of avid home brewer and sort of um, sort of camera bigwig, as it were. Um, so he, he he sort of became the brewer, and Eddie. Manelli, who was the landlord of the Gardener's Rest, and originally Tim and Eddie were looking to put a small brewery in the back of the Gardener's Rest, and Pete overheard them whilst having a pint in there one night, had this space, and says, right, we start the business together. So the Sheffield Brewery has sort of been going sort of since then, really. Uh, then a few years ago, I, th- I think just because they wanted to sort of freshen up the business and develop the beers, um, they, uh, I got involved because the Sheffield Brewery had a 100-litre kit, um, at the time, which uh, because I was just doing Emmanuel's from home, um, I, I sort of struck a deal with them where I would rebrand their business as a sort of. Cause I've got a background in gra- graphic, graphic design and marketing. Um, I would rebrand their business in exchange to use this little kit. So we, we came with that, uh, sort of struck that deal, and then they sort of turned around and said, Would you like to be the brewer and the manager? And at first I, I said no. <laughs> Um, but the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense as a sort of route in. So I, I, I sort of proposed, if I did, I'd like to bring Emmanuel's with me. And they sort of accepted that and, and took it on. And I've been here ever since. And, you know, I've, I've learnt um, very quickly, as a lot of um, people, I guess starting brewers will find out, it's chuffing hard work making beer. Um, tell us a bit about the... Um the brewery's kind of range of, of, of beers? So, um, historically, it's, it, it was sort of built on a, a sort of core range model. Um, I mean, Sheffield Brewery was one of the sort of... Um, you, one, of the, one of the earlier breweries out of, out, out of all the ones that sort of we have in Sheffield now. So, you, you know, you had sort of Kellam and Aberdale and Bradfield only opened like two years before Sheffield Brewery did. Um, so it was very much set up in that sort of model of... You know, um, Five Rivers, which is st- still in existence, uh, which is 3.8% sort of session pale, sort of golden ale bitter. Um, then you've got Blanco Blonde, 
which was named after they used to, in in the, the Polish factory used to make this stuff called Blanco Polish, which was world renowned in the war for the get it'd be like a polish for soldiers' boots and they'd say, I'll oh, get your boots Blanco White. So that, that that sort of became the sort of blonde beer. Um then Sheffield Porter um, which has won multiple awards um, and recently came third in not this year's CBA um, regional competition, but the last one uh, in its category. And we did a beer called Forge Masters for a while, which was a sort of kind of like a contract brew for Forge Masters International. And um, we repicked up Seven Hills uh, the year before last. Um, I mean, that used to be a premium bitter, but I sort of reimagined it as a sort of American pale ale. And that's our flagship beer now, actually. Um, you know, I mean, they've all sort of been tweaked over time. Um, so, and, and, that, and that's the stamp I've sort of brought to it. You know, I've, I've wanted to bring my own character to those beers. So whatever some people might think they know about those beers, if they were to try them, and they'd not had them for a while, if they were to try them now, they'd be very different beers than they were in lots of ways. Um, I mean, it's got undergone a whole rebrand, which I've done. Um, so you've got your core range, because I think, to be honest, as, as much as I love all the different beers that are out there um, in, in places like Beer Central, um, the chances are you're only going to buy some of those beers once, ever, um, unless it makes a huge, massive impression on you, like Yellow Belly, for example. Um, you know, every time that's, I see that on Sean's feed, I'm like, yeah, say, be like, it's gone from one to two to three and so on. <laughs> Um, I can see why it sort of puts a limit on that. But, yeah, um, I guess every every brewery I do think needs a core range because you have those repeat customers. But I think we're, we're also wanting to complement that with doing specialty beers. Um, so we've sort of drew, we're drawn, drawing a lot of um, influence and inspiration from the polishers that got made here so we're, we're introducing those sort of seasonals um so there's a there's an ipa called razor pace which was a polish um they made here so that's that's gonna be our sort of summer seasonal our spring season which i'm brewing tomorrow is a beer called get this and outdoors and um, that always goes down really well and then we do one called fresh start for sort of aimed at when the students come back in sort of september the start of the academic year and then sheffield porter is going to move to a christmas sort of christmas winter seasonal um, but in addition to that, we're moving to doing more sort of, um, you know, f- fun beers, as I call them. You know, um, bigger, bolder beers in terms of flavour, ABV. Um, I think that every brewery should embrace that kind of thing. Um, and I think there's a lot... You, you've got to look at where you're trying to place your beers, you know. You, like the museum in Orchard Square, for example, is a, you know, they the kind of clientele they have, they want the sort of stable, staple beers that are just going to kind of... the customers are going to come in for and they're going to drink over and over and over again. Great place like Itchy Pig and so on like that. They want all these different beers all the time. And some of the feedback we've had from places like that, the railway on Bramall Lane, um, sort of is that they really like the fact that Sheffield Brewery offers a good range of those um, different beers. So we're going to be doing like breakfast stouts, double IPAs, um, there'll be a hazelnut coffee milk stout sort of Christmas time, a, a pina colada sort of coconut IPA. Um, we're going to sort of do a, a cucumber saison summertime. So, we, you know, and just embrace some world beer styles, um, you know, rather than just doing like, oh, we've got this special pale ale with these hops and so on. I think they're great, but actually the thing that I personally really like and, in, and I'm influenced by is the American model 
of um, of craft beer, you know, and those the tap rooms they have there, you know, they have very distinctive beer styles, um, and I don't think you get that quite as much over here. Um, but again, that's I think that's because we we go to the other extreme of being like, well, well, you know, you throw every dessert ingredient in a stout under the sun. And I love, don't get me wrong, I love those beers, but I think, um, you know, we, we we are known for having a reputation for sort of producing some some sort of good solid traditional beers, and I think that actually, um, you know, I, I, I want to draw upon that as well and brew some really good solid traditional world beer style beers. Because I think actually the beers you return to again and again often are you know stuff like um, Goose Island IPA or Sierra Nevada Pale Ale like you know yeah they're they're supermarket brands now and all the rest of it but they're very solid beers because they're very well balanced and I think you can really um, as, as great as, as it is throwing wash, waffles into your mash tun and all the rest of it um, you know I don't think people are going to be drinking that kind of beer in three or four years time you know they, they, it comes and goes in fads but there'll be certain beers that'll just stay around uh, and of course you've got the tap room here as well mm, yeah yeah um so we at the moment we have to operate on a temporary events notice because as you came in you come up that ramp it used to be a land Rover repair shop sort of between <laughs> being a polished works and that so um um i think pete and his dad put that in in like the 80s or something um but it's um, you know it doesn't satisfy the governing authorities, and you know so we're, we're working on getting plans drawn up to get a full premises license, which will enable us to open more often. So at the moment we're open where peddlers open, basically, and the odd other event, as many as our sort of um, temporary events notices as that will allow. Um, but we you know we want to open it more regularly um, on a weekend and do put on other events, you know stuff aimed at homebrewers, stuff aimed at beer tastings, ways to educate people on beer and um, I mean this this space would be fantastic for down here for events uh, last October we had um, Rab which is a mountaineering clothing line um, put on a, a sort of film screaming documentary down here so we got mm-hmm. Pie and Peace from the depot retreat across the road they had the film screaming down here um, there was a Kaylee band there was sort of a whiskey bar I mean it's it, the, the building is just sort of screaming out to have people in it um, so we need, we need to make some changes to do that um, so we'll, yeah we're, we're working towards that but I mean pe- people love coming in here when we're open Thank you to Nick for his time um, we are on to our final beer of the night uh, we've got one more snack left which is another Barmy's yeah. who wants to go first? Beer talk or snack talk? So the final Barmy's is the cheese and sesame um, he's actually got a, a Portland Porter, which I think I believe is from Welbeck. Um, that's yep. but Welbeck is where Balm is based, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, and he's got a, again, he's got a Black Iris beer as a beer bar. Um, I, like I said, I have had this before, but I've looked at like sort of strong cheese flavored things go quite well with a strong kind of IPA or American pale. So I gave that instruction to uh, Sean, and he. Delivered with uh... so we've we've come up with a beer that uh, should match, but also should should generate some uh, discussion for us. It's a uh, Beaver Town. It's a collaboration that they've done with Michaela San Diego over in the states. It is uh, called Merking Nine to Five. I like the name, and uh, it is a wheat IPA, white IPA, seven point nine percent. Should be very hoppy. Nice and fresh from the wheat in there as well, and hopefully we'll go beautifully with Sophie's 
uh, cheese and sesame uh, yeah. balmies. So we've got to do this then, haven't we? We've got to do uh, beaver talk. Yeah. Adam, and you've already talked about this. We have, Because yeah. we have a, 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 a new project coming Ooh. coming soon, which is the Hopcast Half Pint, uh, which is... Which is our second monthly podcast, which we're going to bring out in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the month. We have already recorded it, but we're just holding on to it for now. Um, so we talked about it a little bit then. Um, so it's kind of so only fair, really, that we... Said, that we yeah, well, yeah. I think we should let you guys yeah, kind of have yeah, your... You kind of think about it. Put, put your views... Well, yeah. Course. We can, we can are, you, are you stopping stocking uh, Beaver Town beers? For, for, for the moment, no, no. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a, a difference that should be defined here within the the sort of industry at the moment and the reactions. Um, to their disappointing uh, link up with with Heineken. Um, one, there are there are a lot of breweries pulling out of their summer beer extravaganza, uh, and I can see why breweries would do that and uh, fully support them in their decisions in doing so. Uh, other breweries don't generally rely on Beaver Town for any of their success or any of their uh, uh, continued future. So slightly different perhaps for pubs and for bars and for retails and bottle shops um, who do lean more on Beaver Town as a way of being successful in their own right, in their own businesses. So for the moment we haven't taken any sort of immediate stand not to stop their beers. Um, but if they go down the a Brewdog route, Camden route, and perhaps change their distribution, then quite naturally they will be eased out of uh, our shop in, in favour of other um, independent breweries that are, uh, uh, are less perhaps stocked and distributed via uh, supermarkets, Weatherspoons or, or, or wherever. So, so that's been our personal stance as a business. Um, I have a um, a small amount of sympathy, not for Beaver Town, but for breweries of that size within the craft beer um, scene, because um, they either have to, and there are a fair number of breweries that we can all think of now that will face this exact same problem if they continue to develop and succeed uh, as they have over over recent years. Um, where do they go, these breweries, when they reach a certain size? Um, where the independent sector can't quite support um, the brewery's um, desire for um, ongoing success, ongoing profits and uh, ongoing domination. So small amount of sympathy that lots of breweries perhaps are going to be faced with exactly the same question um, over the next two to three years and um, how they obviously approach that will be, will be interesting to see. Um, how do you sell more of your beer when you feel as perhaps that the independent sector has, has given you all... Uh, uh, that, that's a question I've, I've asked a number of customers actually the last 18 months. Um, how do you sell more without selling out has been my, my little question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where is the middle ground between the independent sector and supermarkets and uh, and weather spoons and so on. Where is that middle ground, a safer ground that allows breweries like that, like Cloudwater, Northern Monk, Thornbridge, we mentioned earlier on there, uh, um, the other beer we talked about. Where is that safish middle ground that allows them to sell more without appearing to sell out in, in any particular way? So crowdfunding's become a big thing for a lot of brewers, hasn't it? It has, uh, uh, and uh, again, personally, I, I'm not a massive fan of that. I like businesses uh, to take their own risk rather than uh, allow um, customers to take the risk on their behalf. Depending on how they do it, uh, uh, 
um, Northern Monk, so equity is part of their business and therefore uh, if you're going to do a crowdfunding, I, I like that way of doing it. If you're selling t-shirts uh, for your birthday and uh, a six-pack at Christmas for the rest of your life or, uh, and no actual ownership of the brewery, then I think that's a different matter. Uh, so crowdfunding is one option, but then if the crowdfunding is successful, uh, they, they triple capacity, double capacity, they brew more beer, where do they sell all that beer? Um, without having to be seen to sell out. Mm. Uh, so in the States particularly, and uh, Alex had just talked about people queuing up at Russian River when he was over in California. In the States, there's a slightly different model where people like other half are selling, I think, up to 95% of their beers are, uh, are direct. But geographically in the States, I think that works better. People will travel distances, perhaps have less options, uh, particularly if you live in states like Vermont and Maine have less, less options on your doorstep. In the UK, um, you, you, you can almost get this type of stuff now almost anywhere. So I can't see anyone turning up to a brewery and buying a, uh, filling up their boot with 48 cans of a, of a brilliant beer and driving off into the sunset. That happens in the States, but the geographical difference between us and, and, and the USA, I don't think quite that fits that model. So it'd be interesting to see how, how things develop. Um, buying their own bars, Beaver Town are planning on and having a string of bars and I know Northern Monk again plan for bars in big cities. Um, Brewdog have already done that model but have still had to go then into Tesco's and Morrison's and so there's, there's still that need to sell more and more beer. I like the alternative, I like people like, um, I've no individual uh, knowledge on this but people like Colonel seem to f flatten things out and I, I guess uh, a brewery like that they're happy with their capacity, they're happy with their lives, they're happy with the profits, they're happy with the beer that they're, they're, they're um, producing, they're happy that their customers are happy with the beers they're producing and so tend to cap that off and, and, and say we're, we're, we're happy, whereas other breweries perhaps have got a more financial uh, mm -hmm. objective. So um, before we move on to uh, Laura's views, what do we think of this beer and the map? I've not tried it yet. Say it's called Murky 9 to 5. It's not that Murky. I was a bit surprised that it was. My litmus test, I've told you a few times, if you can see your hand on the other side of the glass, it's not good. I can read my palm. I could drink a lot till I'm 76. I think it's lovely. seems to, they're growing in, they're fairly big. Yeah. You wouldn't notice it in the UK as much, but... You only have to go across to like, well, you know, Copenhagen, and yeah. you'll see there's a number of bars just yeah. in that city. There's, there's, there's popping up everywhere. They kind of, they've always been championed by Brewdog. They've always, they almost like took them under their wing, I suppose, in, in a, a sense by our country. But they've always made fantastic beers. They've always, but they sat for a bit of a gypsy brewer, didn't they? They were the kind of the one that people knew about as a without a brewer. But now what's that? Sandy. That's it. They built. They built there. So, so currently getting yeah. Uh, even more respect for their beers out of San Diego. That seems to be the case. Yeah. I like the can. So mm. um, we've had an evil design. twin beer, haven't we, before? Which is um, yeah, the twin brother, the twin, of, of twin brother of me. Who are opening or building their brewery in Brooklyn currently, which I'm sure must be opening at some point later this year or early 2019. Other thoughts on Beaver Town? Yeah. I don't think I've quite made my mind up to be honest because I can see I mean whether I'm sort of in fa I'm obviously not in favour of uh, macro buying independent but I can see exactly where Beaver Town are coming from and I can 
see a lot of positives from it, if that makes sense. So I'm probably going to say a load of things that don't really match up, but I think the whole situation is the sort of different different positives for different groups of people and different negatives for different groups, and it's all very intrinsically linked and it's all very tangled. Um, but I think from a perspective of a publican, Heineken have shown some really aggressive tactics in the pub world, buying up lines and all that kind of thing, um, and I can see how that's very threatening to... Uh, you know, to other producers, um, particularly if it's something like Gamma Ray that's kind of a more credible product going on those lines. Um, I think for Beaver Town, I know people who work at Beaver Town, mm. they're great, like, and they're be, they've been very emphatic that their business as it is is not going to change. I mean, how true it is, I don't know, but I can imagine that their day to day role is not going to change. and I think it's really important that we remember that you know they are there and they are human people and there's been so much backlash against them that I think has in some situations been made really personal and I I don't agree with that at all. Um, I don't know, it's, it's a funny one. Like With the extravaganza, uh, for me, I think if it was something that I had committed to, knowing that people had paid money to be there, I'd be staying in it for those people. I'd maybe, well, I would have probably made the decision and done the statement of if we're invited to do anything in the future, we're not going to do them for these reasons, but we don't want to let down the people that have already committed to come to this. And also, you know, all the work that's gone into that behind the scenes, that hasn't just gone away because Heineken have come in. You know, they haven't taken away any of that. Um, so I think in terms of the extravaganza, I think it's a real, a real shame to see what's happening. But like Sean said, I can understand why. Um... I don't know. It's a funny one. It's I think as well. I've, it's a, I've it's a murky the, world, isn't it? I've heard um, Logan Plant speak, and um, a very, very charismatic individual. Uh, and he stood in front of a room full of people. It was at one of the Brewers Journal Brewers Lectures events last year, and his opening statement to the room was, "You don't make money in music unless you're Miley Cyrus." And this came from, he was a musician who obviously felt he could make more money from beer and it was very much about turning his business into a brand and making money from it. But I can remember just listening to him and thinking, your dad's fucking Led Zeppelin, mate. Like, you can't, yeah, yeah. You can't make that. St- you can't say that. And I think I just found it very odd that he was sort of making that comparison of sort of capitalist music. Mm-hmm. which, you know, it's just the same as in beer. You've got your, your big money music bands and then you've got your indie bands and you've mm. always got people who are going to support one or the other. The ba- and I think bands, it is very similar yeah. in beer. Do bands sell um, out, you know, more about music than I do? Do bands per- well, have the, a, have the, a perception the of selling out? out beer whether, culture when, when the parallels to the 90s when indie bands started signing to major labels. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of viewed as, as a kind of a musical sellout then. Mm. I mean, nowadays... Music is is very bland in terms of the labels and how that all works. So I don't think there's any kind of comparisons now with yeah with music. Mm. But yeah, it's inter- it's interesting comparison. There's more. It's it's you can't. What's happened with ale is there's an industry, uh, an independent industry has actually been built and maintained, and that's why people are so passionate to protect it. In music, that isn't really there. Yeah. There's, there are people doing their own thing independently and maybe sustain a living from it. 
but it's tiny. I know, I know that Rhea, that Craftdale is tiny in comparison to the, everything that's sold, yes. but it's much. It's even tinier still. Yeah. You can't get anywhere without being signed to a major label, and I don't think. I think people are more forgiving of bands than they are of beer. Mm. Yeah. I think <laughs> as well. It's new as well. Like the, yeah. you know, in, in, in comparison, the craft beer world is still very much in its infancy, isn't it? And it's not yet kind of found its correct sort of route for to be able to sustain what's out there. Um, and we've, we've talked about this before, haven't we? About um, and I know, sure, me and you have had conversations when, when, mm. I've, when I've come in on a Saturday morning, and um, and the shop's been quiet about mm. you know how does. There is no one model yet for how someone that makes good beer can then start making it on a bigger scale and then mm. a bigger scale and then a bigger scale and mm. it being sustainable. Because at mm. the moment, the whole thing is kind of a bit, not quite kind of on a, 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 a cliff edge. Mm. But you know, you can see that there are there will be breweries that vanish in the next couple of years yeah. that, that don't make it through. Um, and you know, the, 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 there's got to be some way that's found for how. You know, breweries can can really sort of. I think some breweries get, get get so big that they become, d- despite what their 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 owners and founders uh, uh, may think uh, or have as a personal ethos, they get so big that they almost become a runaway train. That you have to you have to keep going, uh, and unless there's someone there that just says, "Bang, this is where we're staying, and this is where we're we're going to live for the next sort of five years in terms of this capacity." Um, it's, it is just almost a runaway train, uh, which is which is awkward for everybody, of course. Yeah. I think one of the comparisons that I've found, which doesn't really quite work, but I'm really into whiskey as well, and in the whiskey industry, yeah. you know, people like Diageo have absolutely saved the Scottish whiskey industry, mm. and investment from them is seen as such a positive thing. Cause, I mean, there's generally more money in whiskey anyway, but it's really interesting that that sort of you know, a bit of a hero for whiskey and that a distillery that was gonna just disappear off the face of the earth has been bought up and therefore is able to continue and can grow and all that kind of thing. And I think it does show that it's not, like I said, it's difficult to apply that to beer, but it's it's something that I think does show that it's not always a bad thing. Um, I think the best thing I've actually read online about the Beavertown situation is Mad Hatter Brewery did a little chain of tweets um, at which I would really, really recommend reading if you've not come across it. Um, and they're basically comparing beer to sort of communism and saying it's like a fight against the capitalist norm mm. and that now capitalism is starting to invade in our little bubble of happiness and independence and um, I mean they put it much better than, than I do but I would really recommend yeah. looking that up. There's, a, there's another one I saw which is about Manchester City Football Club which are quite famously <laughs> Yeah I've seen some football um, Quite a low league and put like, a lot of money going into them and to do how that sits with the Manchester United and how they've yeah. kind of obviously but it's, it's interesting to, I think sometimes you need, you'd, like Laura said, you need to put it into sort of something that you can kind of Understand. I mean, not not everyone's in the brewing industry. Not everyone understands how this thing works. But like, not to kind of dwell on it. But you know, I mean, James, I've talked about it when you're here in a couple of weeks' time. But um, my overview is like, it, it, in the end, of, end of the day, it's a business, and a business has to grow, or, or you know, sustain. Well, you know, if you've got lots of little breweries, you know, you know, diluting your pool of money in this like kind of craft industry thing, and you have to kind of 
make that extra step to you know stay stay above the water essentially not saying they do but you know that's, um, you, you have to look for other things and if and if, if, it, if it takes somebody who's got experience in you know getting you to that next level and you've still got what you think is creative control then I'll be like Laura I'm not I'm undecided on it and I'll, I'll give them benefit of the doubt until proven differently mm. and um, it's just it's just you know let's, let's just yeah. see I saw a couple of mentions relating to um and, it, and again, it is interesting that people were um, disgusted that their um, craft beer brewery had, and sold the minority stake to a bigger company, and they were um, communicating that from from their iPads, wearing their <laughs> their branded clothing, <laughs> or, uh, and eating in branded restaurants, and so on. And so, there's, there's, there are some people clearly that take a very independent view on life and live. Uh, a life which supports independence. I'm a beneficiary of that as a, as a business. Uh, but then there are others that want independent brewery, but the rest of their life is, um, is they mind, they mind multi, multinational, it's multi, multi mm. universal. That's what uh, Jim do yeah. actually um, about, um, I think it was like a Star Wars reference. Some guy slagged it off and he's like, oh, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you know, when uh, George Lucas sold his yeah, business, yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah. yeah. This guy's Twitter thing was all like, yeah, I think I saw that. It's like, it's different. My kind of final thing that I think I want to say is that I, th- I think trying to look on the positives of, of it, it will mean that Beavertown beer becomes more accessible. It'll be more prominent. People who don't necessarily, on you know, the craft beer world is small at the end of the day and the people who really give a shit about this aren't who Beavertown are aiming at no, anymore not. moving forward especially for their core range I think for the things like the Tempest Project they'll still stay yeah. pretty exclusive and you know it will price the masses out of the market but I think at the end of the day if this is going to be available in every supermarket I know so many people who will go you know they know I work in beer they know I'm interested in it they'll be like oh I had a Dead Pony Club or Punk IPA or mm. something like that. I bought it in Asda. It was amazing. Like, where can I get something else? And that's mm, kind of their yeah. gateway. If Gamma Ray and Neck Oil can become gateway mm. beers to people yeah, yeah, who yeah, think, where else can I get that? They'll ask somebody who oh, knows about yeah. beer who will say, go to Beer Central, you know, go to you, spend a bit more money on it, go somewhere independent. You know, that that is always going to be the heart of what we're going to yeah. promote. And if this can open up more people's eyes to it, Looking at the wider, bigger picture, it could be a good thing. And well, I, think I, I would imagine there are very few people that didn't start their journey buying beer from a supermarket. I used to buy Badger Gold and Golden Glory yeah. and, and Golden Pippin from Copper Dragon. Mm. So that, that's that's almost the entry entry point. So for a business like ours, we're, 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 we're the next step on. So we, we, we love the fact that supermarkets have broadened their range of, of, of beers um, because that starts more people on a journey towards us as a business and towards breweries like Abbeydale mm-hmm. uh, and so on. It depends what you value. Mm-hmm. Do you value good beer mm-hmm. or do you value the people who you're buying the beer from being yeah. independent? It's a real balance act, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like the, one point I made on I think me and Adam recorded was if it means at some point or another we all have to go in a crap pub, it happens, um, that you find yourself having to go in a rubbish pub to meet someone or to do, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, if it means that there are rubbish pubs that start selling at least one good beer, yeah. then that will make that whole process a lot less painful. 
because um, there's, there's genuinely pubs that I go in now, um, and, and you know maybe you know, football away days are probably a good example of where you you might end up being, you know, forced by the police into a certain pub, which is just crap. Um, I think yeah, I think your best option is probably Guinness. You've, you've just created a, a new podcast. Don't spoil your your your, your beer you're going to bring. But and uh, one of our podcasts should be our um, escape route uh, beer. If we're in <laughs> yeah. a pub, oh, right, yeah. if we're in a pub. Yeah. And we we have no other option. What is our get out oh, beer God, that we would go to? It's like what's the least <laughs> shit beer? Cider. What yeah. is it's yeah. not on sale? Cider. Cider. Yeah. I wonder if there will come a point where you know at the minute every pub will say they have to have a lager line because if you get a group of twelve people and what they all want beer but one of them wants lager and you've got no lager on, they will all leave. At what point? Is the lager drink going to be replaced by the craft beer drink? Yeah, <laughs> it's already happening. They're already a meme yeah. and so like, But like, in all fairness, I think that this is, this is in no way oh, If you were to give heathen to a load of people who think they're a big lager drinkers, who would, you know, if yeah. you I'm sure they would thoroughly enjoy that beer. Yeah. I think there's a lot of it's mind over matter, it's, it's what you see. Really. And, you know, well, that's, that's a massive world of conversation but ne- neck oil would be oil, a, yeah. a really good crossover beer there will be people it is, neck oil it is becomes well, more in, available in London particularly they will, just can't keep up that the it will introduce it, them yeah. into the world of, of, yeah. of good beer just from, from that one yeah. it does pack a great flavour like, I'll give a shout out to the Wisewood in my local who got took over a few years ago and it went from an absolute like literally nothing pub to some people put putting some money into it, and it's took money to put into it. And, and they've got a good kitchen, and they've got a good range of um, a solid range of cast beers, including an Aberdale beer and a Bradfield beer, but also have a keg line. And, and basically, they have neck oil on permanently, and it's three pound eighty a pint, and it's on permanently. And they took off Guinness to put on a different style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were selling. Good. They were selling blooming. <laughs> when they first started, they were selling a Coca Wonderland on keg. For three pound fifty mm. a pint, that's mm. nearly seven percent. When that's not been available, they switched it to St Petersburg, and I'm like, you can't, you can't, offer, you can't offer seven and eight percent beers mm-hmm. as the um, your staple. <laughs> now it's now sensibly it's like moved, in America. It's sensibly moved to um, the um, blackout stout. Just out of interest, yeah. I knew one uh, landlord in Sheffield whose pub has switched from Punch to Heineken, and um, he's. Absolutely adoring the freedom he's been given to pretty much stop where he wants. Yeah, yeah. It's a true story. Yeah, interesting, interesting. A different, totally different world. It's a, as a DJ, which is one of the things I do, uh, it's even harder to get a decent pint in a nightclub. Yeah, yeah. As it, you know, you think, Night, nightclubs are terrible. What you get that beer? Kind of right. well, Come on, what is it? Well, okay. When you when when you start, it, desperado. Your rider, that as a DJ, is like a, as a not a particularly high level DJ in my industry. It's always red stripe. It's always warm. I mean, at the university, I don't want to know which university it is. It's always like the old, it's not even just Red Stripe, it's the Red Stripe that they didn't sell last year or maybe two years ago. And it's warm and it's just awful. And you just, that's the norm. You know, for years, I've done this for 16 years, and you get a can of Red Stripe, you get a can of, you you might get a a Stella or something. It's just, you know, it's horrifying. I remember coming and there's a John Smith's on. And you order it, and it's, <laughs> nobody's poured it for like two oh weeks, God. and it's just, and the lines, and you're trying to explain yeah. this, and you just it's like why bother? But now, I mean, I went to London for a gig uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
a club called Scala in London. Scala, yeah, and they had uh, they had some punk IPAs on, and okay, it's not amazing, but it was enough. You know, it kept me going, yeah. and it meant I didn't have to drink a Carlsberg or whatever, and I was happy. And that is definitely progress. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. for all the DJs out there. We did, we're, 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 Cork, would you get away? Do you take that much equipment that a cooler box with with cans in just no, would be a, I, an option? Well, the record <laughs> the record box can hide a multitude of, of sins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing problem is now that, that you don't have vinyl so much. So no. like, what have you got that place? Now the sides look very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> You're not plugging an iPod straight. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've done a bit. I had my my first ever uh, Cloudwater. I think it was a couple of years ago, and I, I was DJing. I brought it with me. And uh, you know, I wasn't fully able to appreciate the nuances of it, but and I, that was your best ever set. And that was in the that was in the O2 Academy, which aren't famed for their um, ale selection. <laughs> <laughs> now, fair enough. Interesting discussion. Um, uh, we've got we've all got to we've got three votes that we have to cast tonight. So, as well as favourite beer of the night, we have to vote for favourite bar snack of the night, and we have to vote for and you can't vote for yourself. Favourite glassware. Yeah, should we, should we just represent our glassware very quickly? Mine is a little third class from uh, Other Half in uh, New York. I wanted a glass. I'd got loads of cans and things, so I took a very tiny little glass. It is uh, a thimble, so it didn't, isn't it? So it didn't smash uh, on my way back. But it's got a pretty pattern on it. Yeah. So. Uh, mine is a, do you call it a tulip design yeah. glass? Um, which is literally from the weekend summer beer thing in uh, Manchester um, because it was obviously the last glass that I put on my shelf and therefore the first one that I picked up in a rush when I was leaving the house a couple of hours back Um, I've brought after a disastrous week at home of smashing lots of glasses I've brought again like Sean it's third brimful and it's a little tiny craftmaster and it's super cute it's unbranded um, I usually, being completely honest, drink gin in it, <laughs> but it's worked very nicely for beer for me tonight as well. I would, I've done some of those for their uh, barrel store over in Manchester, you can get those just branded up like them. They're, they're probably very popular, I think. And Adam's obviously already We've talked about mine discuss, masses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just all it's missing is a bunch of daffs. I'm, in, I'm <laughs> interested in Alex's Go on, Alex. This is a, uh, it's a Whitbread Pale Ale branded glass. It's um, an easy winner, Alex. I'll I took it from now. my granny's house. It used to belong to my granddad. And he came to Sheffield because he ran one of Whitbread's breweries. He was a brewer. He even wrote books about brewing as well. One of which... What was his name? He was called... Uh, his surname was Moncton. And he was called Tony, but I think his real name was Harold. So it's, he, he was Harold H A Moncton. And you can find his... They're expensive. Yeah. We've got a load of his books uh, in storage. I looked on Amazon the other day. It's selling for 100 quid. Oh, right. History... Is that I've got a few. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe we can get them on stock. <laughs> but it's, it's very... I don't know when this was made, but it's faring well. You know, I've had it for at least 10 years, and it was he used it for at least 10 so years. What was it? So for 1980? It must be, yeah. It must yeah. be. But I don't know what they put this on with. It's, Should we do a quick book on a favourite glass? By appointment as well. I might have got a better one as a prize. So, we, so, so you've got a prize I've for yeah. favourite glass for me is very very easy H H H Moncton so <laughs> tall it's beautiful at mine big, I am I'm too drawn to the, the classic kind of and I nearly brought like a, an old two board one from a long long time ago from Copenhagen I really really got jealous when I went to bar stewards and saw that they had the little mini craft masters from um, the Northern Monk festival what was that Pop called City. Hop City, yeah. yeah and I was super jealous about that. 
Um, yours is an easy one, James. It's, not, it's just, just pretty generic. Just, just, just to widen it out, I'm going to go for Laura's because I really want one of those. Oh, he's, oh, he's right, going to try okay. and take that home with him, Laura. No, I just want one of those. It looks like I, he's going to try and take I'm, I'm jealous of it. Laura, I have to ask you a question <laughs> to decide uh, who I'm going to vote for. Did you buy that or did you acquire that? I was given this at a trade conference because I got really excited about how cute okay. they were. It's good, uh, aren't they? Rastal, who make them, who were a gym and glass producer. Um, and these were like their new thing for like. I just think it's hilarious. That it's at, called no, a craftmaster, and look I just the thought, so it gave me one. Look at it shows the fingerprints. I don't, no, they I don't are, care. that's a pork cheese dust. Alex's. Alex's. Alex's craft. Alex's craft. Anyway, cool. one each. Okay. Well, I'm. I was going to give you a bonus point if you'd have stolen it. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I was given. So, taking that into consideration, I. I'm going to vote for Alex because he's our guest now. <laughs> oh. I'm getting the guest Alex, vote. who are you going for? Just I'm going for the Morris Oh, one. he is. Yes, he is. Hands down. I love it. You know, I'm interested in how they got it on there. I like the I like the Morris. It's unusual, isn't it? I like the patterns. I like the numbers. I'm going to say that's the mo- yours is the definitely the most expensive glass. Ooh, it came free with six bottles of uh, but to a, produce. Alhambra. There's, that oh, is yeah, it's intricate, isn't it? Definitely. You, you could drop that on the floor a few times, it wouldn't smash. Let's not try. I don't drink from it, though. Oh, I can see why so we've got, we've got, you've got a bunch of caps in there. I've already voted. voted. So we've got two votes for Alex, we've got one vote for Adam and one vote for Laura. Who's, Who's left? left? Me. I haven't voted. Yeah, Laura. I really like that Sean's also gone for the third glass. I think that's nice. But for the story behind it, you know how much I love a story, I Sean. Bottom, I've got then. to go for Alex's. Thank you. That's the least of my prize. Thank you. We have, we have a you have a prize. Cheers. I'd like yeah. to taste the Whitbread Pale Ale now. I nearly brought that was well. I don't think it'll age very well. I nearly brought we joked about the Teco glass. I don't have to. I have one. I'm lying. I have um, four. <laughs> four. And then I kind of I looked through my thing. And when I moved house about three years ago, I taped up a box and had all my favourite glasses in it, including about a thousand Sunfest ones, which is the um, Abbeydale Festival so next week this weekend. Um, and I gave it to my friend to take across the road to a van, and the bottom fell out. Uh... And I smashed a shitload of my favourite glasses. But I've got a few of these ones, so I'm quite happy to give this as a prize. So in 2012, I was 30, and I had a party at the Fat Cat, and my wife called it Adfest. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Personalised branded glass. Oh, that's brilliant. And I've got a few of those, and that that has stayed like that, has been washed. Is that a woolly hat from there? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Your hair. Right. <laughs> yeah. You've got a, the, the power of words, Sean. Give us a, love give us a, a, That's a, fantastic. a description of... <laughs> it's a straight... Uh, well, yeah, it's not straight-sided. It's straight-sided pint glass, isn't it? It's nice and thick. Oh, it's good. I've got a lot of... I can see why this so. one didn't smash. It's got a rather cheap-looking sticker on there. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how old is that? Is that six uh, years tw- old? 2012, are, uh, an amazing year for the UK with the Olympics and so on. Adfest. It's very appropriate. And as as Alex Deadman, you know, I can make it work. I just need to grow the goat <laughs> and the beard. Just give me a few years, I think. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. Uh, right, we've got to pick uh, favourite beer and favourite beer snack. 
Um, Adam, let's come to you first. Uh, beer, um, can we include the Aberdale one? Yeah. I want to go for the Aberdale one. Okay. Sorry. Tramlines. Yeah, I think it's a really great beer. It's like, it's, I, I, I'm, I think everyone's going to love that beer. It's, it's a little bit it's a little bit more modern and I think that like people are going to hopefully more people are going to try it and it's going to push people to try maybe some other beers that are like in that sort of in that vein our favourite beer bar snack uh, bar snack I am going to go for the smoky chipotle barmies okay were they the super spicy ones no it, well, well but no, they went the, with the, the super spicy but the, um, the, the, the yeah I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, everyone else okay. fair <laughs> enough uh, Sean uh, beer of the night is the brew by numbers 0103 Saison, very mm-hmm. unlike the cucumber and juniper. I thought it was excellent and was the best beer that went with uh, uh, our snack matchup. Mm-hmm. My favourite snack of the night is a barmy and it's the cheese and sesame using Welbeck Portland Black. Beautiful. Fair enough. Alex? Um, I'm not sure if I'm being disloyal here, but I'm going you to... You are. I am being disloyal. <laughs> you can't pick your... You, you, you can't pick, exactly. No, it would be crass to pick, pick You can't pick it either, love. <laughs> but I do really like it. I'm going to go with Saison as well, because <laughs> it's the first one that I think I've actually enjoyed. Fair enough. Um, and what about snack-wise? Oh, it's tough. Um, I definitely really like the um, hickory smoked pork scratches, but I also I've never I didn't know what balms were. It's been like a whole world of discovery for me. So I think I will have to go with those, and I'm going to go with the uh, the olive one, the tepanyon. All right, one. first the first yeah. one. Yeah. Laura. Beer wise, I'm going to perhaps controversially go for the Beaver Town. Okay. Um, I just thought it was. The house 7.9% and it's so easy to drink. I thought it was really tasty. I don't normally like wheat beers either, so that was quite surprising. Snack, I'm going for the Smofo beans because you know, there's a kilogram bag that we've still got quite a lot of oh, down there and I probably could polish that off by myself. So on the, on the bus home. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna go for the Smofo beans. Um I'm a bit torn beer wise, but I think and this is really boring because it makes it a draw, but I think I'm gonna go with the tram lines. Mm. Beer, on the best actually, it was the the least s- strong out of all of them at three point eight percent. But I just thought really nice flavour, and I can I can picture myself in the sun drinking that in a couple mm. of weeks time. Looking forward to um, looking forward to that. And for the snacks, I think I'm the only one that's going to go for the corn. Um, Super spicy. Yeah, it was ridiculously spicy, um, and it's kind of difficult to see how you would um, pair that with a beer yeah. successfully. Yeah. But I just love corn. Um, I get the little kind of packets of the you know the greys ones that have yeah. got a coin, just really like it. I love that, that crunchiness to them. I think they're, they're, they're going to go under now. You've got this a three a kilogram bag, isn't it? Where's all my one pound uh, <laughs> <laughs> micro snacks? So it's, I think it's the first time we've actually had a, a, a dead heat. Two votes for both the um, the brew by numbers and the tramline session IPA. What's, what's well, snack of the night? To, if I have to pick between them as if I give myself a design yeah. vote, no, I didn't idea. go for them. I, I, I would say that the uh, brew by numbers I would probably vote for just because it was so easy to drink and, and you're not allowed to super refreshing. Mm. <laughs> but I do really like they the have it. Yeah, beer. I, I, so we have by, I, yeah. by a nose, we have a winner. Yeah. Um, and it is brew by numbers. Brilliant. Okay, well, um, thank you very much for your company this evening. Alex, thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, Tramline's a couple of weeks away. Um, head to the website if you want to grab some tickets for that. 
and uh, keep an eye out for the first Hotcast Half Pint coming in the um, next couple of weeks and we will speak to you again in August. Thank you.